Welcome to the church. 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 I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in Normal, Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. All right, praise the Lord, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you all here, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity to bring the word. Um, I say it every time, but I can't say it enough. It's something that I don't take lightly, and I appreciate the opportunity to do it. Um, but oh, I'm going to get right into it. I'm so start crying. <laughs> uh, I will be reading from 2 Samuel 22 and 4, and... Um, Ryland's got me on a timer, so I won't be going too long today. <laughs> but 2 Samuel 22 and 4 says, I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Now just for a few minutes, I want to speak on just this simple topic, the power of worship. So if you would just lay your Bibles aside and just join me in prayer. Just pray that God would anoint my voice and my heart. He would anoint the hearts and minds of each and every one of us. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the spirit that we've felt so far, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your power and for your authority, God. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're doing in this place, God. Everything that you're doing in our lives, God. And I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just anoint my heart, God, and you would anoint my mind to just speak your anointed word, God. And I pray, Jesus, you would anoint the hearts and minds of each and every one of us, God, that we can receive what you have in store for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when you're trying to find an encrust encrustable, I'm talking about my dinner last night. When you're trying to find an incredible testimony about the power of worship, one of the best places to look is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In this story, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Munites, which were three of Israel's worst enemies, decided that they were going to join forces and they were going to come together and try to overthrow the people of God. Now, to the Israelite people, this attack was unprovoked and it was unexpected. It came to Judah like a clap of thunder that shattered the peacefulness of the clear sky. It was sudden, it was frightening, and it was unforeseen. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, in my life, that's how things start to attack me. I never expect whenever something just starts to creep into my life and just begin to attack me. I never expect it. Whenever, whether it's in our churches, whether it's in our families, it's something that usually just comes all, all of a sudden. And in an instant, you know, something that we just put all of our hope and something that we just put all of our trust into just begins to fall apart. Whether it be an institution, whether it be a family member that once, you know, loved us and uh, kept us safe, but now is trying to attack us as the enemy. In an instant, what was a bright and beautiful day becomes clouded and darkened by a horrifying situation. And in this story, the messenger came running to Jehoshaphat with news of an impending attack. That a huge army was marching against them from beyond the Dead Sea. And that there was no time to waste and that there was little time to prepare. And Jehoshaphat was troubled and the nation was stirred. And the situation seemed like it was a hopeless situation. 
But to these people, they were not a people without hope. Led by their king Jehoshaphat. And in their moment of turmoil and in their moment of crisis, they turned their hearts toward God. From all of the towns of Judah and all the towns of Israel, they came together in Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. They came together in the house of God and they just began to call on God in their moment of need. Now, can I tell you that when we're faced with these horrifying situations, when we're faced with these horrifying circumstances, when we don't know what to do or when we don't know what's going to happen in our lives, that can always be our first priority is just to turn to God because God is bigger than the circumstances that we face in any situation. Because we can't control what happens in our lives. We can't control the storms that we face or the battles that we're involved in, but we can control what we do next. And let me tell you what Jehoshaphat did next. There's a lot of things he could have done. He could have ran to his allies and tried to raise up an army to battle against these uh, enemies. He could have run to the banks and tried to get money to buy an army to battle against them. He could have even um, tried to fortify his city and tried to build up a defense that they could fight whenever the impending battle was upon them. But in their moment of trouble and in their moment of turmoil, they understood that there was only one thing that they truly could do. They realized that the only thing that they could do is they could turn and they could rely on God. They realized that God was the one who was going to give them their victory. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And can I tell you that in their moment of prayer and in their moment of worship, God heard them in their situations. While they were still gathered together in the act of prayer, God sent them an answer. God moved upon a Levite named Jehaziel, who delivered the word of the Lord. In verses 15 through 17, he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. Can we give God thanks for that today? That the battles that we face are not our battles, but they're his battles. Hallelujah, Jesus. It goes on to say, tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your position, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Or just to put it simply, don't be afraid of the situations that you're about to face. Because it's mine. Don't be afraid of the battles or the, or the enemies that try to attack you because it doesn't matter because I'm bigger than those things. That's what God is saying to these people. He's saying that I understand that it's a scary situation. I understand you probably don't know what to do, but I'm bigger than it. That's what God is telling these people. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Whatever situation you face, whatever battles you fight, whether it's sickness, whether it's addiction, whether it's financial problems, the battle is not ours. So we shouldn't be afraid because God is greater than those things. God is greater than currency. God is greater than addiction. God is greater than any sickness that moves upon our bodies. And God is going to provide us a victory. Mark eleven twenty four says, I can tell you or I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, 
it will be yours. God's already preparing our victories in our lives. Just like he was already preparing the victory for Judah. He's just waiting on faith and worship to arise in our hearts. And let me show you how Jehoshaphat responded in this situation. Sorry, I lost my space. <laughs> Let me show you how Jehoshaphat responded in this situation. It says that he was emboldened by the word of God, and he arose the next morning and assembled an army. But before he ever set out to that battle, it says he appointed singers and he appointed a praise team to just follow in front of, or to lead the army. Now, personally, I don't know about you, but if I was going to war and if if I had, you know, all of my army right behind me, right beside me, and we're standing there with spears and we're standing there with swords and we've got people way back there with arrows and we've got our generals on horses, then I over the hill, what I see is these people coming over singing and playing guitars and playing drums. I would think that they were insane. <laughs> I'd be picking up my phone and I'd be calling home. I'd say, you know what? Go ahead and get the party started because this isn't going to be a long battle. These people are, their, their first line of defense is Tiffany playing a guitar. <laughs> she doesn't even have a sword. She's just playing a guitar. But can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says that as they sang those songs, and as they praised the Lord, God began to ambush the enemies. It says that the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies at Mount Seir and killed every single one of them. And then after they had been destroyed, it says that Moab and Ammon turned on each other as well. See, in the midst of Judah's worship, in the midst of everyone calling them crazy, in the midst of, them, of uh, their enemies looking at them and saying, you can't beat us. God was orchestrating a victory. God had already had that victory won and in his hand. And the Bible says that when Judah finally arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness and they saw what was happening, all they saw was just bodies just laying there. As far as they could see, they had seen that the battle had already been fought and that the enemy had already defeated itself. Judah won a mighty victory without even raising a finger in battle. Their battle was won through their worship. And this story illustrates how powerful that worship can be. Because when you can't do anything else, you can worship God. When you don't know what else to do, you can give him praise and you can give him glory. When you think that your hands are tied or when you think that there's nothing else that, that's left to be done, God's still God. He's still greater than the situation that we're facing in our life. Because there's power in that worship. They might have looked ridiculous with a choir leading the army. But can I tell you that there was more power in that choir than there was in that army? There was more power in their singers than there were in their warriors. Because the army was limited to what they could do. But the worship invoked the one that could do something that we could never do. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we just lift up his name and begin to glorify God. Any situation we face just begins to crumble because there's power in our worship. Another individual who understood the power of worship was King David. He understood that there's a connection between worship and victory. 
In Psalms 18 and at the end of his life in 2 Samuel 22, 4, he said, I call on the Lord who's worthy of praise and he shall save me from my enemies. David understood that God was who would save him from his enemies. He understood that the only way that he would become victorious in his situations was through the power and the excellence of God in his life. David wanted all of those who knew and who followed him to know that he put his trust in God, that God was his rock and God was his foundation. He understood that times were going to get tough, that trouble was going to take us when we least expected. But there's going to be times and situations that are going to remove the light right from our lives. But when that happens, David said, worship God. David said, give him praise and give him honor. He said that in my times of trouble I'm, and in my times of tragedy, I'm going to call on the Lord and I'm going to put my trust in God. And when I do, he's going to save me from those enemies. See, David understood how powerful worship is because when David came face to face with a bear, he could stand on the faithfulness of God. He could stand on the, on the God that was going to deliver him from that situation. When he was threatened by a lion and when fear arose in his heart, he could remember how great God was and that God was going to protect him from that. Whenever David came face to face with a giant that towered over him, he could stand on the name of God and on the word of God. And he could go face to face with that giant and say that you just come at me with a sword and a spear. But I come at you with the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. with the name of God that's higher than any other. See, over and over through the history and the life of David, when he was placed in these situations where defeat was clear and where defeat was evident and unavoidable, he could stand firm on his faith and his trust in God and say, I call on the Lord who's worthy of praise and he saved me from those enemies. And I wonder what would happen in our lives if we would get that spirit in our hearts. If we would just instead of looking at our situations and saying, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one, we would say, God, you're greater. Saying, instead of saying, my situation is so huge, I don't know what I'm going to do. Say, I know a God that's bigger than that situation. My situation may be big, but my God is bigger. But sometimes I feel like we get a misconception about what worship really is. See, I think there's something important we need to know about worship. And I just feel like so often we, we kind of look at worship as something that God needs from us. We look at worship and we look at God as he's this you know, petulant king that wants to sit up there and demand our worship. And he's only going to bless us if we you know, massage his ego or we tell him how great he is. But can I tell you that couldn't be further from the truth because God doesn't need our worship. All of creation worships God. All the angels sing his name 24-7. They don't worship him because they or he needs it. They worship him because he's deserving of it. They worship him because he's worthy to be worshipped. Creation itself, the sun, the stars, the planets, everything that you look outside and see declares the glory and the majesty of God. And they don't do it because he needs it. They do it because he deserves it, because he created them. He spoke them into existence. And I think we need to understand that God doesn't command our worship because he needs it. He commands our worship because we need it. Worship causes us to stop and consider God's greatness. Worship sharpens our sensitivities to the glory of God. And it causes us to begin to see how mighty and majestic God really is. 
And if we don't worship him, if we were to stop considering his glory or if we were to stop reminding ourselves of his mighty deeds, we start to think that, you know, maybe we're responsible for everything good that's going on in our lives. Pastor says it all the time, but, you know, if we aren't careful, we can get a big head and we can instead of saying, look what God did in my situation, we can start saying, well, look what I did. You know, I, I got myself out of that situation. That was all me. But that's not what happens. It reminds, I can, I can pick on him because he's not here today. But me and Jamie went uh, fishing. And we got about an hour in. We were pretty well tied as far as who was catching more. Well, Jamie ends up pulling about four fish ahead of me. And every time I look over, he's got this goofy <laughs> grin on his face. Trying to see if I noticed that he got another fish. But I know what was really going on. I think he had coal down there putting fish on his hooks <laughs> whenever I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but when we stop worshiping God, we lose perspective about how great he really is. And worship is really all just about perspective. It's about sharpening your soul's vision of God's greatness. When you worship him, you begin to shift your focus from your troubles and your trials and the chaos that you face in your life. You shift it to the matchless abilities of God. You shift it to how great he is. You shift it to everything he's already done in your life. You shift it to the fact that every time I've trusted God, he's come out. You know, he's come through. It's, it's never come back void. And when we worship him, it begins to lose our faith. It begins to build up our faith in our life. And that's the heart of what King David was saying. He's saying, as I call on the Lord, I'm confronted with the fact that he's worthy to be praised. And the more I praise him, the more I recognize his worth. The more I exalt him, the more I remind myself of his majesty and greatness. The more I realize just how worthy he is to be praised. And the more that we praise him, the more that our faith grows in our lives. And the more that we realize that he can intervene in our situations. The more that we realize that we, or he can move in that addiction. He can move in that health situation. In that faith is what sets the tone for the miraculous to happen in our lives. See, early in his life, David discovered this powerful truth, that, that truth that worship invokes faith. Worship stirs our hearts, not just to see the greatness of God, but to believe that God is greater than anyone can see. Worship arouses faith in our heart. For as we consider the majesty of God, we begin to realize that God's majesty has no ends. When we begin to worship God and when we begin to contemplate the mighty things that he's done, we begin to realize what he can and do in our lives. We, we forget about all the things that we can't do. You know, we stop. If we would just shift our focus to God, we, we stop realizing that, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get out of the situation. We start to realize that God's going to bring me through. God's going to do a great thing in my life. See, worship isn't about making God feel good about who he is, but it's about causing us to expand our vision, to open our understanding and consider how great God really is. Yeah. Paul came to this conclusion that unbelief is at its most basic sense a failure to worship God. In Romans 121, it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
See, when they knew God, they refused to worship him. And the big thing here is I don't read anywhere in this scripture where it says that God changed. Because God doesn't change just because we don't want to worship him. God's glory isn't diminished because we failed to give him worship, because we failed to give him praise. His strength and his power and his majesty isn't impacted because we want to sit on our egos and say that I don't have to worship God. Their worship wasn't for God's benefit. When they refused to worship God, he continued to be God. But it says that they begin to make foolish ideas. Think of foolish ideas. It says that their minds became confused and their minds became darkened in their situations. See, we need to understand this today that worship has an impact on us. It has an impact on the way that we think and on the way that we see things. When they fail to worship God, it affected their mind and it affected the way that they thought about their situation and it caused their hearts to be darkened. But when we worship God, it's going to have a positive impact on our lives. It's going to have a positive impact on the way that we see and on the way that we think. See, some of us feel like we've just been stumbling through this situation. We've just been stumbling through the darkness and we've just been stumbling through the chaos. You know, we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And we think that all of this praying that we've been doing has just been in vain. All of this trusting in God that we've been doing has just been in vain. You know, we've struggled to find answers and we've been struggled fighting giant after giant as if it feels all that fighting has been in vain. But can I tell you that worship has the power to change that situation? It is time that we get our minds off of our human concepts of what we think can work. And it shift our vision to the greatness and to the glory of God. It's time we quit considering all the things that we can and cannot do. And we start to consider all the things that God's already done in our life. See, when we begin to worship God, our faith is going to grow. When we begin to worship God, it turns loose the power of God in our situations. And as long as our minds are fixated on the limitations of what we can do, we're never going to see what God is capable of. But when we worship him, and we begin to give him praise and give him glory and to consider his abilities and what he's done and what he is capable of. That's when the miraculous can happen in our lives. That's when God can begin to shift things that's going on around us. Just like in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were stripped, they were beaten, and they were thrown into the inner parts of a prison with no escape. There's absolutely no humanly possible way that they could have gotten out of this situation. But it doesn't say that they focused on what they could do. Acts 16, 25, and 26 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. See, Paul and Silas weren't worried about getting out of prison. They were worried about giving God praise and giving God glory. They weren't worried about how they were going to do this. They were, all they were concerned about was they were still saying, you know, my God's still greater. My God's still king of kings. My God is still glorious. And God is telling us today that if we would just shift our focus... And look at how big our God is. It doesn't matter how big your situation is. It doesn't matter if you're facing cancer, if you're facing drug addiction, alcoholism, because God is greater than all of those things. There's nothing that can stand against God when we put our full trust and hope in him. Hebrews 1.11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith has a vision that isn't limited to what we can see with our human eyes because it operates in the realm of hope. And because of that, faith isn't bound to human limitations that bind us. Faith isn't defined by a doctor's report. Instead, it hopes for a miracle. Faith isn't hindered by our view of reality. Instead, it believes in what has not been seen. And here's the key to faith. It sees what it's looking for. And worship causes us to look for the glory of God. Worship causes us to search out the majesty and the greatness of our God. It causes us to consider that nothing is impossible with God. And all of the sudden, as we worship God, faith begins to rise up in our hearts. It begins to rise up in our minds and in our lives. And when that happens, that's whenever God can start moving in our bodies. That's whenever God can start moving in the situations that we're face to face with every day that we've been face to face with face to face with for years. See, worship enables us to encounter the power of God. You know, if we need a miracle, we just need to worship God. If we're walking through the valley, we just need to worship God. If we're face to face with an enemy that's far greater than us. God is greater than that enemy. Worship will change the very landscape of your life. It will cause us such a transformation in our hearts that we will be it will be as if I need to rephrase that. It'll be as if we stepped out of this dark room and we just stepped into the light and the glory of God. See, worship will let your heart imagine what God can do. Worship, and you'll see clearly, you'll see clearly that God can do anything in our lives. And if everyone can stand with me, I'm coming quickly to a close. I told you I'm, I'm not a long-winded preacher, as much as Pastor Dross tries to make me one. <laughs> Once I hit 30 minutes, I start to tag out. <laughs> but Job had one of those days like Jehoshaphat. It came out of nowhere and it was unexpected. The message began to bring their t- the messengers began to bring their tidings of terror to Job. The first one came and he said, "Job, your oxen and your uh, and your donkeys have been stolen, and the servants that you had watching them have been killed." The next one came running and he said, "Job, your sheep and your shepherds have been slaughtered." The next said, "Job, your camels and your drivers." I've been massacred. And then the big one came and it said, Job, there was a storm and it killed your family where they were sitting. See, in the wake of all that tragic news, as he learned that everything in his life was ruined, everything in his life that he held dear, that he held close to his heart was just gone in an instant. And as he learned of all of this, it says that Job fell to the ground and he worshiped God. See, Job was a man that recognized the power of God. And that struggle didn't come without grief. We, we went through that Bible study for 10 weeks. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't a good time for Job. But still pained by that news, shaken to his core, troubled in his spirit, there is some godly intuition in his mind that gave him the understanding that God is still God. That God is still capable of doing exceeding, of doing great things in his life. The 
The understanding that if I'm going to make it through this situation, I just need to trust in God. If I'm going to make it through the situation that I've been fighting for years, if I'm going to make it through this financial situation to where I don't know where the food's going to come from next week, I need to put my trust and I need to put my hope in God because God is my refuge. God is my strength. He's been watching over me from day one. And all too often we we find this trouble and we find this despair in our lives and we try to turn everywhere except to God. We walk into the house of God with a defeated spirit. And that just goes to show you that we don't understand the true power that we have in our lives. We don't understand the true power that we have when we just begin to give God glory and give him praise. See, if we would just follow the examples of the scripture, if we would just join ourselves to Jehoshaphat and to Job and to King David, we would learn that worship invokes faith in our lives. And when we have that faith, nothing is impossible for the king of kings to work and to operate in our lives. And can I tell you that sometimes we also get this conception that worship has to look like five hours in a prayer closet. We get the conception that worship has to be the older lady at the front of the altar doing the whirly bird. <laughs> but can I tell you that those things are worship, but that's not just worship. Worship can be as we're sitting in our pews and we're just trying to decide, God, can you move in my situation? And when that thought comes up, you can say, yeah, because you're still God. You're still worthy. You're still great. Worship is like the woman with the issue of blood that said, I know he can heal me if I can just touch him. If I can just get to his feet, get in his presence, he can heal me. Worship is blind Bartimaeus who can say, if I can just yell out his name, he's going to hear me in my situation. If I can just give my situation to God, to Jesus Christ, he's going to move and he's going to begin to operate. And I'm going to be able to see what I never could see before. See, worship is like the man at the pool of Bethesda who year after year had to find a way to get to that pool. But he said, if I can just get there, God's going to do something. If I can just get to that pool, God's going to heal my body. See, worship is us just sitting in this altar in these pews someone here today or maybe it's someone that you know in your life maybe it's a lost family member and day after day you've been struggling you've been fighting you've been trying to reach someone that you've been trying to reach for 10 years and you haven't had a single ounce of luck but can i tell you that worship can invoke faith in your life and when that faith begins to be invoked and it begins to be stirred up in our lives. That's when God can begin to do great things. That's when God can begin to move on our families and begin to move on our lives. So I wonder right now if we can just begin to start making our way to the front because there's a healing, there's miraculous power in this place today. And I'm believing that God is going to do something great, whether it's in our lives, whether it's in our family members lives. I believe that God has the power to operate in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're holy God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. 
We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.